Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. It's Thursday, and you're listening to the Eagle Hour from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg in downtown Laurel. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens. Glad to have you along with us on this Thursday. A lot going on in the world, a lot going on around Southern Miss. We're going to Throw it around today. First segment of the Eagle Hour, as always, brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue. Had it within the last week. It was absolutely fabulous. I had a pulled pork barbecue sandwich, and then I uh, got my sides and that awesome ice cream. But Dickie's been smoking meat for a long time. They're in a community near you, and you can go see the hometown team beside Turtle Creek Mall in Hattiesburg. Justin and his staff does an absolutely wonderful job. They can also cater uh, your next event. School coming up, lots of stuff uh, getting ready. Tailgate, you might be thinking of a high school tailgate, junior college tailgate, or even a Southern Miss tailgate, and Dickie's Barbecue can help you with that. I've been out all week, been on the road uh, sharing the word up in Scott County, Mississippi. I'm glad to be back. Bob should be back tomorrow. Kelly's been holding down the fort all week. And Sander, what kind of week has it been for you, first and foremost? Actually, you would think that uh, that it's kind of a lull period between, you know, the last academic school year and the school year for Southern Miss doesn't begin until late August. But a lot of the, you know, junior high schools and high schools on the public uh, in the public school route, some of them began today, so there's there's that going on. But you would think that this would be a general lull period for sports. But man, there's a lot of different things shaking, anticipating the upcoming uh, academic year. Starting with Matthew Riles, the lineman that's uh, actually coming into Southern Miss, a youngster has signed a likeness and image deal with Roback, which is spelled R H O B A C K. It's a company that produces golf shirts, shorts, and athletic gear, you know, golf shorts. So if you're like of that ilk, Matthew Riles says you can go on their website and you can get a 10% discount uh, because he has signed that deal with Roback. Again, R-H-O-B-A-C-K. But uh, that's, a, that's quite a deal for him because, again, a youngster who, who uh, you know, just coming into Southern Miss, really, and uh, an alignment at that, not one of the big profile positions like, you know, quarterback or a wide receiver or anything like that, but good for him. Good for him. Absolutely. He was he was a big get a few years back, uh, of course, from from Purvis. Uh, his dad, Chris, uh, played at Southern Miss from, I think, 88 to, to 91. And under Jay Hobson's recruiting, that was a big get. He's a three, uh, three-star three offensive lineman. But, Kelly, my question is, is uh, Roback, do they have a big and tall section? Because Matt Riles is 6'8", 331, according to southernmiss.com. That, that is a uh, – that, that's bigger than you, Santer. Yeah, and you would certainly hope so, right? Um, because not all not all guys that play golf are five eight and one hundred and forty pounds. But to answer your question, and I know you were kind of saying it in jest, but I don't know. I would hope that they have a big and tall section because politically there are more of us out there as each year goes by, and we will not be silent. 
<laughs> us big guys. We will. I, hey, look, I'm I'm one of them too. I, I am I am one of them too. But you got to think uh, that that there that will in some ways you know come down the pipe for for Southern Miss athletes. So it appears Matt Riles one of the first to take advantage of the name, image, and likeness. And, and just to follow up on that before we get to some other stuff, you know the the story, and you may have talked about it early in the week, but you know out of Texas A and M where. Some of these players are going to get like $10,000. I I can't remember if it was for an interview or if it was for a series of interviews, but you got to think um, that is almost astonishing. It is simply the access. You're not even selling a product, but some of these, you know, insider um, boards and forums are, are paying that to get access. And that's something that didn't come to my mind when name, image, and likeness was brought to the table in the past. Well, the market will determine what it's worth. And if they say 10000 for access and nobody pays the 10000 then guess what's going to happen to that $10,000 price? It's going to come down, obviously. So we're in, a, we're in a time in sports where there's going to be a feeling out process here as to everybody, every athlete is going to want to get the most that they can, of course. But what will the market bear? And, of course, the market will bear different amounts depending on what schools you go to and what type of national exposure your school has so there's going to be this uh this period of time probably for the first six months trying to kind of figure out what each of these athletes are worth and again good old capitalism the supply and demand side will determine exactly people can ask for whatever they want but what they get you know might be completely different story so this is a a continuing a shapeless ball of clay that will reform probably every month or so. So stay tuned as far as that goes. And I think that's a, the great point you you bring up, especially in some of these outlier areas where it's not just athlete A, um, you know, promoting and putting his name, image, and likeness on product A. But here, here's the deal with Texas A&M. I just looked it up real quick. There's a Texas A&M football fan site called Tex Ags. So it's paying a pair of football players. $10,000 for exclusive interviews, and it's part of a, a deal with a real estate group called Green Print. Isaiah Spiller, the running back, Damani Richardson, a safety, they're getting paid for their access ahead of SEC Media Days. This is on MSN.com. Um, so, yeah, just when you thought that you understood name, image, and likeness, this whole new genre, and I think, to, to your point, Kelly, it will continue to evolve into ways that we never thought because, again, uh, one of the strengths of capitalism is the imagination is limitless. And I, But I still think, I still think that it wasn't necessarily thought very well through because it's – People are human that play these games, and it's going to be really tough for, let's just say, the quarterback to be getting you know million-dollar deals and the people protecting him don't have any deals at all. Um, and I know you'd think, well, surely you know, his teammates wouldn't treat him like that. I- I'm just telling you, when money is involved, it can really bring out ugliness in some people. And if one guy's getting all the money and people – who are directly responsible for his or her protection are not getting anything. I just think it there's just way too much room for um, nasty behavior to take place. That's what I'm worried about. I hope it doesn't happen. And you're, but I think it will. You're talking about, and let's just continue this for for the rest of this segment because there's there's still some more things to, to to think about, think through rabbit trails. So so your your basic opinion is with the NILs. And, you know, with, with a group of five school like Southern Miss, you would expect that it's not going, the, 
the the players involved in that aren't going to be as involved, you know, as as a as a you know top ten school or schools that are competing for the national championship perennially. But at the same token, your your basic fault with it is that it will create fractures within a team. Coaches trying to pull players together to focus one goal, one one purpose, you know, one championship, uh, one direction, and all of this is going to be overcome the peripheral where they, they keep their eyes off of the main focus ahead of them. Which is exactly why Dabo Sweeney at Clemson said, if I wanted to coach professional football, I would coach in the National Football League. One of the things that has attracted him to the college game is its innocence and its purity. Well, now that is all off the table. It's all every person for themselves, just like in the professional leagues. And at least in the professional leagues, the talent is whittled down somewhat, and everybody understands that's a business. But a lot of these players now came into this college game, and it wasn't a business. Well, now all of a sudden it is, and it's going to be dog-eat-dog, I'm afraid. And unfortunately, what, what Coach Sweeney was worried about, I think, will happen, is that there's going to be jealousies among teams that some players are you know, making a lot more than others. Some may not be getting anything at all. It, it just leaves way too much room for those petty jealousies uh, to take place. When I like the fact in this case, you know, we always complain lots of times that the Conference USA schools, and obviously Southern Miss among them, is not one of those Power Five schools. But in this case, I think it's a good thing because it's less likely that there will be any of that in-house bickering and fighting among Southern Miss guys because it's it's reasonable to assume that any of their deals that they happen to strike are not going to be nearly as lucrative, lucrative as some of those schools, like you mentioned, Texas A&M, Miami, Louisville, yeah. among others. Well, you know, devil's advocate here, and, and I would say, you know, because you're probably dealing with a little less money, you know, it's interesting to me that if, if indeed there's, there's NIL deals, or this is the only NIL deal that we know so far with Southern Miss football, in one way it is, you know, a kid like Matthew Riles. So if, if you have, he's obviously not a starter. So you would expect, you know, the guys like Trelo, Brownlee, Gore Jr. to be the names. But what it does is, and I think this is interesting when you start thinking about Will Hall's recruiting foot, there's going to be Southern Miss uh, football players that are going to get the benefit because they're local kids. You know, they're this is a Purvis kid that exactly that, that's getting this. And so I, you know, I, I can see the flip side of it where you may not be, you know, when you think of Southern Miss, you may not be the first two players that come to your mind, but it's going to allow, um, you know, other kids uh, the opportunity for it too. Hey. Some of these players, uh, a, a new quote today by Will Hall, particularly about the quarterback position. We're going to talk about that. Kelly and Luke and Michael continue on the Eagle Hour right after this. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Second segment brought to you by Campus Bookmark. They're on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, across from the University of Southern Mississippi. Look for the gold building. 
they got books inside. They really do. But they got all kinds of Southern Miss swag. And, hey, we are less than 50 days from football season, and you need to stock up on some brand-new Southern Miss football gear, and you can get it all at Campus Bookmark on Hardy Street or campusbookmark.net. Campus Bookmark, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Luke, Kelly, and Michael from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, Will Hall talking to the media today, and, and we all knew there was going to be a quarterback battle. And But those of us, you know, that, that watched last year, you you felt like, uh, you know, Trey Lowe would obviously have the leg up going into spring, and there there was uh, spring confirmed that as he competed against T-Webb and so, some more guys. Ty Keys has come in um, this summer. Of course, the uh, four-year starter out of Taylorsville, highly heralded recruit for Will Hall's staff, but Patrick McGee from the Bluxy Sun-Herald tweeted out about an hour ago that in a press conference today, Will Hall acknowledged that there is a, quote, significant gap between Trelo the third and the other two freshman quarterbacks, T-Webb, who transferred from Louisville, and Ty Keys out of Taylorsville. Uh, both will be given an opportunity to challenge, McGee says, but Lowe has prepared um, the right way. And, and Kelly, you know, yeah, for some people that that is a surprise because uh, you know they thought T T Webb would push Trey Low and apparently obviously he has. How will Ty Keys come in? And it's really and and just the most rarest cases that a, a true freshman can come in and and take over right away. But you know during the commercial break you made the point and I think we've said it here too. It was kind of Trey Trey Low's job to lose from an athletic standpoint. But when you take into the consideration. He was the guy that walked in the mountains and the valleys last year with this team. You kind of felt like what Will Hall says today, um, you know, what was going to be said anyway. It just comes out today on July the 22nd. And, and I'm not, you know, when it comes, I know baseball a pretty good bit. Don't know a whole lot about basketball. And I'm kind of, I know a little bit about football. But I was just going, am I not seeing something here? Or, or do I just think that Trey Lowe is that much better? But, but from what I've seen of Trey Lowe, he's, he's the man. He's been the man. You know, and no disrespect to uh, the other two, but I just, I've just always thought that this, that this guy, you know, coming from West Virginia, a big tw- he was recruited as a Big 12 quarterback, so wide open offenses, ability to run and throw. I've just always thought that he was going to be the man. Now, since last season, he's put on some muscle, all right, he, he just got back from the, the Manning passing camp and was very impressive down there. When, when I was talking with some of the Southern Miss assistant football coaches just shortly after they got here and had a chance to peruse some of the talent, I said, what's been the biggest surprise so far? And they said, uh, the quarterback. And, of course, at that time, they didn't even know his name, right? I mean, necessarily. And he said, man, that, that guy's a stud. He's really, really good. And so – and I, ho- I hope I'm not overselling him, but I just think, man, I think Trey Lowe's going to have a great year. And I know that if people don't expect him to have a good year, that's all the better for him, too. He can relax. But I just think he has the ability to, to be a sensational player in this league. Quarterback is always, you know, depth. Uh, but Southern Miss, you know, the last few years, different people have transferred out. Southern Miss with uh, seven quarterbacks on the roster. Just break them down for you. Trey Lowe, redshirt sophomore. Um, of course, Ty Keys, the freshman from Taylorsville. T. Webb, uh, the, the, he's officially listed as, as a freshman. 
Um, so he transferred from Louisville. Uh, and then the, probably the, the other guys that you don't know about, Justin Carter, 6'1", 187. He's a freshman from Pontotoc High School up in North Mississippi. Jack Walker, who had a great career at, at Northwest Community College. Uh, he's a redshirt junior, 6'3", 220. He's originally from Madison, Mississippi. Jason Goldstein is a redshirt sophomore, 6'2", 228 from Salisbury High School up in New York, and then Jack Lang from uh, from Jackson Prep. He comes in as a freshman. But obviously the three names that are going to be in the uh, the key is Webb, uh, Keys, and Lowe. So when you look at, uh, as far as size, uh, T. Webb is, is the taller of them. He's 6'4", 195, and he's a kid that can run. 4'6", uh, I think was the, the 40 time. Uh, we all know Ty Keys. Anybody watching high school football in the state of Mississippi, Ty Keys, 6'2", 200. And really what the thing with Ty Keys is, because he played every sport at Taylorsville, and this is the comment that was made to me, nobody really knows how good he is when he commits to one sport, and uh, I, I, he's, he will – the, the ceiling for him uh, is is literally through the roof. But here's Trey Lowe, 6'2", 218, Big 12 experience, Kelly Sander, and he's a guy with deceptively fast uh, speed. And he's a guy last year when you – it was a guy you felt like as the more reps that he got, the better he would get. And that's cliche, but really in his way, we saw him develop. And what I was impressed by in the last week was he was one of these about 40 or so quarterbacks – at the Manning Passing Academy down in Nichols and Thibodeau. And when there was a picture of quarterbacks that were, were taken together, Trey Lowe looked like Superman among like little, little children. I mean, as far as uh, 6'2, 6'3, but I'm talking about as a build. He yeah. has really blown up muscularly in, under Lance Ancar's program in the last six months. And that's what I was saying. When you said 218, I kind of raised my eyebrows here in Hattiesburg because I'm going, if, if he's 218, so am I. <laughs> and and <laughs> let me just put it this way. I'm, I'm not anywhere close to 218. I, I mean, to me, he looks more like 225 or 230. And it really doesn't matter if you can carry it. Um, but that will, to me, and again, I, I've never coached a game of football in my life, but it would just, logic would dictate that if you're that big and strong, that it would bode well if you have to run the football, you know, take a pounding here or there, that you're, that you're more likely to be able to handle uh, a pounding at 225 or 230 as opposed to 215 or 218. He doesn't look 218 to me. But again, if it's 218 of all muscle, that's still pretty intimidating. But you're right. I mean, when you, when you just look at him, you're going, holy, holy cow. You know, this guy. Um, Auburn used to have a quarterback, you know, that, um, that you know, has went on to play in the National Football League for the Carolina Panthers. And, and, and I know his name, but I'm not going to mention it. But, you know, build-wise, to me, he kind of he's not as tall. But, I mean, other than that, build-wise, he looks a lot like you-know-who. And I won't say his name, but his Scam? initials his initials are Cam Newton. Scam Newton. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't say his name. I said Scam Newton. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The the deal with Lowe, what I feel like he has improved on is his accuracy, and and I would encourage any of our listeners just go on Twitter and just search, you know, from the Manning Pass Academy, or just search Trey Lowe, and there, you know, there was a couple clips of of Eli and Peyton watching him, and it's actually a pretty pretty cool picture of, of Peyton kind of coaching him up. But when you see Trey, uh, there was one particular clip of of a drop back and a throw across the middle. And he, he just, he looks like he could spin it. I mean, that was the tape that when, when we saw the transfer tape out of West Virginia, some of the practice throws, I mean, he's always had a beautiful ball, a beautiful release. 
But what we found in the spring was, and Jason Brownlee talked about this in some interviews after the practice, but what distinguished Trey Lowe from this spring from, from Webb and some of the other quarterbacks was the ability to be accurate with the deep ball. And so it appears that the accuracy has, has gone to the next level. And some of that, I, I think, is, is being coached up, you know, by a former quarterback, Will Hall himself. And I think Lowe's skill set just plays so well into this offense. And they're going to use his ability to run the football, to get mismatches, to, especially if, you know, if, if the offensive line improves, people key in on Gore and some of the backs. And then you've got the ability, you know, just to flush everybody to one side and then, you know, have a bootleg or, or a misread or the read option. And, uh, and Lowe's going to deceptively get some people. So this is really encouraging. Um, I know oftentimes there's a lot of, a lot of guys that get, they get invited to the Massing Penny, uh, the Manning Passing Academy, uh, in order to, you know, to, to improve and stuff and to be counselors. But man, the very fact that, that he looks so good, not, not only in his, as he looks as a specimen, but, you know, appears to, to where he's taken off. So I'm, I'm just really excited. I, I think that he's in store. Probably in, in the conference, he's probably the most sleepy quarterback um, that, that will do more than what people expect out of him. I, I agree, but the biggest piece of that puzzle to his success this year is going to be the durability and health of Frank Gore Jr. All right, if Frank Gore Jr. stays healthy, where Trey Lowe would not necessarily be forced to run as much as he would under other circumstances – then that's going to keep defenses on their on their toes, you know, guessing as to the you know the run of the pass. Um, so here's here's to hoping that Frank Gore Jr. Uh, stays healthy because again he's not a, as far as running backs go. Frank Gore Jr. is not that big, right? So you, you picture the Rottweiler with the little uh, you know the little doll in its mouth, you know, and, and yanking that doll back and forth. That's kind of what I'm hoping doesn't happen, you know, with Frank Gore because again he's not a, not a very big guy compared to a lot of other running backs in the league. But if he can stay healthy and that line can just open up a hole here or there, that would certainly add to the effectiveness uh, to Trey Lowe's season. But I, I was glad to hear Coach Hall say that this morning because, again, I, I don't know a whole lot about football, but my eyes are still pretty good. And from what I saw, I'm going, how in the world is that guy not the starter? <laughs> uh, and it's his, right. and it is his to lose. I mean, anything could happen. And from my mouth to God's ears, I hope he doesn't get hurt. Because, um, you know, football is just one of those type of games, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, Will Hall today um, stating there is a significant gap between Trey Lowe and the other quarterbacks on the roster, and looks like it's Mr. Lowe's job to lose. Hey, we'll step away, come back. Big, uh, big news in college football, big news in the NFL. We'll talk about it on the Eagle Hour right after this. to the top. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill in Hattiesburg. Just a stone's throw from the rock. like that little play on words. A stone's throw from the rock. I'll be here all week. Don't forget to tip your waiters (laughs) and waitresses. Thank you very much, Michael. Michael uh, Mergen's on with the rim shot there. Uh, Home of the 895 lunch, and that includes your soft drink. They'll have all the Olympic activities 
because obviously no spectators in Tokyo as COVID continues to run rampant. But uh, every night they'll have the Olympic Games on the TVs there at 4th Street. And 4th Street is the official pre-gaming station for all Southern Miss fans, whether you're going to a football, basketball, or baseball event. Slade White and the crew with all the constantly changing Southern Miss memorabilia on the walls as well. Fun place to hang out, 4th Street. Bar and Grill. All right, looking at the rest of college football, we've talked a little bit about the Eagles today, but is Oklahoma going to the SEC? Is Texas going to the SEC? Here's what we know at this hour. First of all, most everyone acknowledges that if that were to happen, you're probably looking at a three- to four-year time span before it were to happen. People will also acknowledge that Texas A&M, who is already in the SEC, and has been adamant about being the only Texas school in the SEC, will do whatever it can in its power to make sure that the Longhorns of Texas don't go to the SEC. But we know how much fun it is to kind of talk and speculate what would happen. One of the things out there today is is if Oklahoma and Texas, and perhaps others, as Luke will talk about here in a moment, would go to the SEC, then what would the football season look like? And one of the projections would be that the SEC would be broken into pods of about four or five teams in each pod, and you would be guaranteed to play every team in your pod during football season. So let's just say there's a five-team pod. You would play those four other teams every year, and generally they'd be put into pods based on geography. Then you would play a couple of members from each of the other pods on a rotating basis and that you would play every single team in the SEC once every four years at your place. All right, so that's a lot of new math and old math. I get a little bit of analysis paralysis. But people are already talking about these sorts of things, Luke Johnson, when it's probably a four-year you know, time span anyway before anything were to happen. But if that domino does fall, then what, Luke? What about the other conferences? So here's the thing. Don't get mad at us. Yeah, don't get mad at us for talking SEC because there's a trickle-down effect. Let me let me just unpack this. So what, what would have to happen for all of this to happen? Right now the SEC has 14 schools, seven in each uh, division, and there's already been like some geography mess with them because Missouri technically shouldn't be in, in the East. Uh, and that was kind of a mystery, you know, when, when them and A&M came in, they just kind of, they, they stuck Missouri in the East and A&M in the West. Missouri is not a East school. They're a West school. And so here's the thing. If you bring in two more West schools, Kelly, if Texas and Oklahoma were to come, that's going to mean either Auburn or Alabama geographically are going to go to the East, which would, you know, kind of rock the way that we think of football in the South. Um, it would make more sense for both of them to go uh, if in Missouri stays in the east and these and the two new schools you know occupy the west. But here, here's what's going to happen. Here, okay, so a couple scenarios. Let's just say Texas or Oklahoma both, Texas and Oklahoma both come in. My question is, would they bring any more schools with them? So if the SEC is going to go all out, are are they going to go after additional schools? I, I have a hard time thinking that. Um, you know, Okie State would allow Oklahoma to go without them coming in. So, so here's my first question. And again, there is a trickle down effect. Hang with us for just a moment, Kelly. If you were to take, and I know, and and I think your school, particularly Iowa State, could could be included in this. Give me if the SEC were to take more than 
two teams, if they were to take four, who would be the additional two teams from the Big 12 that would go over with Texas and Oklahoma? Well, no, no schools left of those teams that you talk about are strong necessarily in all sports. Uh, but you mentioned that Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma would already be there. So if you take Oklahoma State off the table, there, there doesn't seem to me to be a slam dunk. Actually, there would be, and here to, here to make this even messier, Central Florida, because of its geographic location and because of its enrollment, would be more of a fit. You've now got Gus Malzahn down there coaching, who has SEC experience. So Central Florida, it seems to me, would be more of a logical move than taking any more teams I'm, from the Big 12. And that's a good point. So you're going outside the Big 12. I'm thinking inside the Big 12, and just to stay there for a second, Texas. I'm thinking Big 3. So Texas Tech could compete somewhat in football. They could compete in basketball and, and baseball. Uh, I think what, what Matt Campbell does this year you know, with the Cyclones, Iowa State may be a team that – not not in baseball, obviously, um, but but in football and, and basketball. But yeah, other than Oklahoma State, maybe Baylor, maybe Baylor. Um, but you, you just wonder, you know, if if uh, because Central Florida would be moving up. I'm kind of talking about grabbing more P5 schools to come okay. to the SEC. I can't I can't imagine the SEC grabbing a, a group of five schools. Now, if you, you know? if, if but, okay, so yeah, if you're talking about the Big Twelve, then Baylor would be the most logical choice. But again, yeah, okay, you know. Uh, Again, Texas A&M only wants they want to be the only school in the SEC from Texas. Sure. And and that could, you know, that could derail some of this. All right. With that, let's say there's two openings just at the bare minimum. Here's the trickle down effect. There's two openings in the Big 12. Who does the Big 12 go after first in a two uh two opening scenario, two openings? And then Kelly moved to a four. Who would the Big 12 go after in order to fill two or four spots? Well, first of all, I'll answer the question based on the scenario that you gave me. I personally don't think the Big 12 would add anybody. I think they would simply, you know, scale down and play with 10 teams. Remember, it started as the Big 8, okay, years ago. Um, and maybe they would scale down to They've 10. They've only got 10 right now, though. Remember that. They've R- only got 10. Right yeah, now. even though they're called the Big when 12. When Nebraska left. Right, the Big 12. Yeah. Um, so I would think that uh, Houston would be a possibility, you know, already being there in the state of Texas. Houston might be a choice. Um, but other than that, maybe Memphis. What about Memphis? You know, which is right across the river from the state of Missouri, which has, you know, uh, well, not far from Kansas and Kansas State. So geographically, maybe Memphis would be a good fit. But then that opens up, under that hy- hypothetical, that would open up two spots in the AAC. Yeah. Or is and that, that... That's where ultimately I'm going. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, think, I think Houston would be at the top of that list. I think Houston would be the one that they plug and play immediately there. And I think Memphis, to your point, is a strong um, number two. You know, kind of maybe an honorable mention. I don't think they could compete at the level, but SMU has the money and they're in Dallas. Because right now, I think what you've got to think of is the way that everything's kind of gone. You, you got to think media market first. So if the, if it creates an opening in the AAC, the bad thing about that is Southern Miss is now on the outside looking in because who's going to compete for that American spot? It's going to be not only Conference USA teams, it's going to be Sunbelt teams. And we've talked about how the Sunbelt in the past two or three years, 
in our opinion, has done a much, much better job globally of marketing itself than Conference USA has. That's not a slap at Southern Miss. Southern Miss doesn't run the conference. We're just talking about the leadership in the front office uh, that the Sun Belt has done a better job. And if you're talking about markets, you got Georgia State in Atlanta, you know, which, which is right there. Uh, you certainly have uh, Mobile, which is, which is a bigger market than a lot of the Conference USA markets. So would South Alabama potentially, and, and that would just really frost my behind if South Alabama got picked over Southern Miss and anything, because really they're kind of a new kid on the block, you know, compared to Southern Miss. But it would be out of any of our control anyway. But and then the the other the other Sun Belt schools to think of Lafayette. Think of Lafayette. And then as far as you know, a football power. I mean, Appalachian State would have to be higher. You know, pretty high on the list. It at the same time, you know, East Carolina is sitting right there. And 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 I mean, shoot, uh, you know, you got West Virginia. Um, would would the Big Twelve go even go east, and you know, would the Big Twelve pick up, you know, like we said, like a, like perhaps like a, a Central Florida or somebody? But you know, inside Conference USA, um, I'm not sure. I, I could I could see only for a media market because I don't feel like they could compete in the AAC. But you feel like Rice would be somewhat. Uh, maybe middle of the pack, maybe and uh, a little top top third there. But I mean, give me give me three teams from Conference USA that could plug and play in the American, other than Southern Miss, Marshall, uh, football. You know, and again, football sets the table for every other sport. Marshall has developed some consistency over the past ten years. UAB, I hate to say that, but UAB yeah. right up the road. I mean, Bill Clark's the only coach that listed that's supposedly untouchable this year uh, according to CBS Sportsline and and El Paso because of the market but and they have the most Twitter followers yeah right? yeah and if you want UTEP go go ahead and take them but remember, you can have them but remember Luke, yeah you still got the Southland that we'll talk about after the commercial break the Southland is right now looking for four new members Yep. So, it, so, there's there's just so many moving parts. Right. But it's fun to speculate. Sure. Really fun. And we'll talk about we'll talk about the Southland and who's gone and why they left. And then we'll get you up to date on the other things going on in the National Football League and some big news just broke regarding the NFL schedule. That's as the Eagle Hour continues in a moment. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. D-Bat and D-1 Training bring us the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day. Great place to get your game on. Baseball, softball, weight training, so much more. On Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, the website dbathattiesburg.com. D-Bat on the left, D-1 Training on the right. Something for everyone at D-Bat and D-1 Training in Hattiesburg, Luke, Kelly, and Michael from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Bob back tomorrow, uh, but Kelly right back into it. Uh, when we went to break, you know, some some as we talk about this, you know, conference shakeup, potentially more conference shakeup and the trickle down effect. Some stuff in the Southland too. Yeah, the dominoes are already falling there. As we, as we reported on the Eagle Hour last spring, Lamar 
Sam Houston State, Stephen F. Austin, and Abilene Christian have all left. They've already, they're gone from the Southland now and will be members of the WAC, the Western Athletic Conference. So when you talk about these different schools being plugged in, where is the Southland going to go to replace those four schools, if indeed they're going to replace four? Now, they had a press release today saying that they will be able to report on the moves within the next 30 to 60 days as negotiations continue with other schools and ink on these contracts dries. But we will know more about what the Southland is going to look like for 2022, beginning in 2022, and then going forward from there in about the next 30 or 60 days. Of course, then once those schools are in place, then, then, you know, then you've got openings elsewhere and these moving puzzle pieces, uh, will be exactly that moving puzzle pieces probably for the next three or four years although it looks like that Oklahoma Texas thing to that school the conference that begins with an S probably won't happen for four or five years now in the NFL Luke Johnson we, we talked going into the break big announcement from the NFL within the hour that with this new wave of the Delta variant and COVID and COVID cases going back up across the country the NFL made a very brash move today, in my opinion, and they said that any games in the NFL this upcoming season that are canceled because of COVID, if the game cannot be rescheduled, the team that had the COVID outbreak will be forced to forfeit the game. Now, what that means is it will count as a loss. It will be as if they played the game and lost. It will count toward playoffs. It'll count toward the standing in their conferences. So, again, the NFL alerting teams today that if they have to sit out a game because of COVID and the game can't be rescheduled, that will be a loss on the schedule. The New Orleans Saints have entered into an agreement to rename the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. One of the reasons that uh, Saints fans in particular wanted the Superdome changed from Mercedes-Benz is that's the name of the stadium in Atlanta as well, the Mercedes-Benz Dome. And the Saints want nothing to do with those dirty birds in Atlanta. So the Saints announced today that they have entered into agreement and the NFL has approved a new name for the Superdome. It's going to have an association with Caesars Palace Casino, and it's going to be called Caesars Superdome, and they entered into a 20-year contract. So get used to the name, the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans. So first of all, Luke, what do you think of the decision by the NFL now to actually implement forfeits if teams have to have to sit out because of COVID? Well, first and foremost, it's an incentive for them to, you know, follow protocols in, in some way. And, you know, I'm not up here. I'm not, I'm not, in, I don't, I don't like that. Right. Uh, but at the same token, if you've got a team that's not following what the league sets forth, well, guess what? They get hammered by it. I think some of this comes back to, you remember last year, um, was it the Steelers that played the Ravens like on a Wednesday and then they had to turn around and play like Monday. I, the time frame's kind of the same between a Sunday and like a Thursday game. But it got a, it, you know, they had to turn around. I think uh, that Wednesday game was pushed back like twice and they ended up losing to Washington and they were undefeated up to that point. They were 11 and 0 and then they lost to Washington on kind of a, after a funky week. Uh, lost, uh, what, four out of their last five. And I think some of that comes to where a, a line is kind of drawn in the sand. 
And eventually, you know, there's going to be some team this year, if, if it plays out like this, that they're probably going to get messed over in that. But, I mean, what are you supposed to do? You can't be playing – you can't, you know, have have athletes – this isn't baseball. You know, we don't push it to a double header tomorrow, especially with a sport like football. No, I, so I get it. I agree with you, but it is brash in the sense that we're living in a day and age where, you know, you get a you get a, a pat on the hand and you get a trophy whether you win or lose. This is this is a hardcore stance in a world that is really soft, I think. Look, if you can't play it, it's forfeit. You know, that that's it. Well, I like it. Sometimes I life, like it. yeah. Sometimes life is is tough, and I know because of of your beliefs and and a lot of people's beliefs, there might be some people a little uneasy that the New Orleans Saints and the Superdome have aligned with Caesar's Palace Sportsbook or, and Casino. Any thoughts about that either way? Well, I, I mean that's whatever business deal. But here's the thing: if if it if if it makes us not like the Falcons, <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, they will not share their name, at least their home, they will not share with the Atlanta Falcons anymore. I like it. All right. Thanks for being uh, with us on the Eagle Hour today. Bob back tomorrow. Whole gang back. And we'll close out this almost last week in July. Hard to believe it's coming up on us. Less than 50 days till football season. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you tomorrow, same time. And as always, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.